This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Welcome to another edition of Contractor's Corner. I'm host Kelly Pickerel, and today we're joined by Jason Slattery. He is Director of Solar at Gem Energy, based in Walbridge, Ohio. So thanks for joining me today, Jason. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, I thought we could start off. You could tell me a little about GEMS Energies, your guys' background. How did you guys first get involved with solar? Sure. Um, so Rudolph Libby Group is our parent company, and it's a regional contractor that's headquartered in Toledo, Ohio. Um, so that's really where we got our DNA. Um, the company itself has been around since 1955, um, its core business is commercial and industrial construction. And back in 2007, you know, we were doing construction projects, and several of our customers at the time were hiring us to do design-build work. And, you know, they had a couple projects that had some solar panels on them, and they said, can you install solar? And we said, sure. And we didn't really know at the time what we were getting ourselves into, but, um it was a good fit for our business. It was a way that we provided more value to our businesses that we were already doing uh, work with, and it just really grew from there. Um, so that was 2007, so we really organically grew that business um, from you know, our roots, and that was a time really when the economy was bad. Um, so for us, solar really offered a bright spot to the economy, um, you know, when businesses weren't doing a lot of uh, new additions or new construction, um, solar really offered another solution that we could take to, you know, an existing customer that, you know, was something that was appealing to them that made good economic sense. So at at that time, we kind of identified that internally as what we call a business growth opportunity, which is just a way that allows our business, our core business, to diversify a little bit and provide additional services for our existing customer base. So, you know, we we organically grew it by, you know, training internal associates um, and giving them, you know, different skill sets to be able to go out and, you know, find these projects and, you know, then design them and build them. And then we also have a service group that maintains these projects long-term. So for us, it was a way that we could, you know, get into a new market. We can, you know, energize our existing customers with, you know, a new product that previous to 2007, we weren't even, you know, in that space. Yeah, for sure. How much of, of Gem Energy is with solar? Like, do, are you doing a lot of energy efficiency type projects too? Yeah, Gem Energy is kind of unique. So in addition to solar, we have some other service offerings that we provide. So solar is really a main pillar of Gem Energy. It accounts for about half its revenue. Um, you know, but the other services that we offer in Gem Energy are more of a holistic approach that we take with a customer. So, you know, we really look at that customer as, um, you know, a long-term relationship. So, you know, we don't want to just build a solar project for a customer and then leave. We want to build the solar project and then provide other um, products and other um, things that we can do to help improve that customer um, 
you know, help improve their business, make them more competitive at what they do as a core business and really, you know, maintain it long term. So in addition to solar, um, we do combined heat and power, um, which is a natural gas fired microturbine. It's really another behind the meter type uh, generating uh, component that allows a business to reduce the operating spend. And then we do the traditional energy uh, management for mostly commercial and industrial buildings. So being that Ohio is very manufacturing, um, it's, it's heavy industrial, um, there's a lot of commercial buildings, that's really our customer. So we'll go into that facility or any facility and we'll say, how do we make this um, business run more cost effective? And that might be things like, you know, upgrading their mechanical systems or HVAC systems. Um, it might be us putting controls in place that allows them to, you know, do things like simple things like turn lights on um, when somebody comes in and turn them off with a motion sensor when uh, somebody leaves an uh, office or a space. Um, and, and then we also look at the building envelope. So things like insulation, windows, doors, anything that, you know, would have a uh, energy improvement if they were upgraded. Um, and then kind of a new thing that we're offering our customers now, we have a group focused on it inside GEM Energy, is something that we call facility management. And facility management to us, to our customers, really allows them to maintain or provide things for their building or their operation that um, typically you would need like a service or operations manager or facilities manager to handle. Um, these businesses may not um, need that as a full-time position on their staff. So we come in and we allow kind of like a supplemental service where, um, you know, if it's on a, say, a part-time needed basis, they can call us up and say, um, you know, I need snow removal or I need lawn maintenance or whatever that service might be for that facility. Um, rather than having somebody full-time on their staff who's not working full-time and not needed full-time, we're able to kind of supplement it. Um, it works well really for um, businesses that are smaller and, you know, think of somebody going on vacation. You know, when somebody goes on vacation and having time off, we're able to backstop that and come in and, you know, keep them operational in the event that they have equipment breakdowns and, you know, facility needs. So it's really nice. It kind of complements our core business and, you know, fits into some of the other energy offerings that we have here at Gem Energy. Yeah, definitely. Um, you talk a lot about your Ohio um, footprint, but what is your range for solar projects? Are you, You're also doing some stuff in the Northeast? We are. Um, we continue to focus on the Northeast. Um, obviously, we're headquartered out of Ohio. Ohio's our home state, so we would love to do more business in Ohio. Uh, but really, for our geography, um, we're really agnostic. We try to stay as much east of the Mississippi as possible, um, but really for us, it depends on more of a customer profile. Um, we're looking for an exact look and feel for a customer because solar doesn't make sense for every application in every instance, and we recognize that. So what we're looking for really is higher energy rate pockets, which kind of lead us to that northeast market. Um, we're looking for things like favorable state energy policies. 
Um, those are kind of things that we're looking for. And then because we're so relationship-based here in our company DNA, um, we travel around a lot with core customers. So um, we call them customers for life. So, you know, we may do construction with a customer in one state, and that same customer may take us to another state to build a solar array. So it kind of works nice because at our business, most of our business is negotiated because we have these, uh, you know, repeat customers. So about 75% of our business is um, with our existing customer base. So we're not really going out chasing RFPs. We're trying to, you know, stay with people that know us and we know them. Well, who are those kind of consistent repeat customers? I, you do a lot with, like, universities. What kind of customers do you have? Sure. That's a good question. As it pertains to solar, our typical customers are, um, you know, universities. We do a lot of uh, school work. Anything that's a not-for-profit, solar naturally makes a lot of sense. And the reason I say that is because solar is a um, – is very much a tax play today on the way that it's structured. And basically with some of our no out-of-pocket cost solutions that we're able to offer our customers, it makes it very attractive for schools and universities to implement a solar array um, because one of our offerings is um, not having to come up with the capital to build these projects and they get the immediate savings. So that's pretty attractive to these non-taxpaying entities like schools and universities and other not-for-profits. So that's very much a, a target customer, repeat customer of ours. The other area that we're consistently doing work for is, is really municipals, municipals that provide electricity to um, their town or city, as well as utilities. Utilities continue to be a growth area for us. Um, that's an area that we didn't start out in, but we kind of matured as a business and um, got into more more smaller scale utility. Um, and these are typical deregulated utilities that want to have an ownership stake in a project where they'll hire us to function as the design build contractor and and then we'll build a project for them. Typically, those projects are sized around 1 to 50 megawatts in size, and I call those kind of front-of-the-meter type projects versus what we started at in solar um, initially, which was typically the behind-the-meter application, the smaller 1 to 5 megawatts. So those are kind of what we focus our, our eyes on when we're targeting for a business development focus. How is the Midwest and the Ohio market for solar projects? I'd say the the Midwest market's very tough. Um, it's tough for a variety of reasons, Ohio in particular. Um, you know, if you look at kind of the history of Ohio, the energy policy's kind of been up and down. Um, and I said earlier, you know, policy, solar, unfortunately, policy, it's very uh, dependent upon. And... So what you need is a stable and consistent energy policy to make um, really any business survive. I mean, you have to know what the rule book is, and um, and then that allows you to plan for your business. Um, in addition to just kind of that stable policy that's needed from a state level, um, 
you, you also need it from the federal level, by, by the way. Um, but in addition, the Midwest in particular has kind of got a lower solar resource. So, you know, we've kind of cut our teeth in a very tough solar market. We've been doing this since 2007. The encouraging thing for me is today we're installing projects here in Ohio in the Midwest for, you know, seven times less than what we were in 2007, just a decade ago. So it's really encouraging to me that we as an industry have reduced the cost seven times since that very small limited time. Um, you know, the solar resource really hurts us. Um, when, when we're siting projects here in the Midwest, we can move a project that's sited in Ohio, we can move it a couple states away, like Illinois, for example, and we can get 15 to 20% better solar resource just by physically moving it to a better resource area. So um, as far as a tough market goes, the Midwest is probably as tough as it gets. Um, that said, the Midwest also has a huge opportunity for solar. Um, if you think about the DNA of the Midwest in Ohio, there's a lot of manufacturing here. It's heavy industrialized. Um, there's good and bad things with that. The infrastructure's here. The electrical grid is very robust and redundant. So that's all very good things. And then the other area of focus for us, and this really fits nice to the Midwest and Ohio, is uh, brownfield development. So we we focus a little bit of our time and attention on taking heavy industrial areas that have been blighted through either contamination or just um, not being developed for years and sit vacant. Um, a, a recent project that we did was at the Toledo Zoo where we repurposed that contaminated site and built solar on it. It was a good fit because, you know, you couldn't build a traditional building on it. You're using the property that was otherwise stranded for um, an ideal purpose. It's now harvesting um, electricity for the Toledo Zoo. So that's, that's where we're focused. Since GEM Energy is kind of seen more as a developer, how do you go about choosing installation subcontractors, or are you tapping into the larger Rudolph Libby family? Yeah, so... Kind of the way we look at this is if it's really close to our operations where we have, um, you know, tradesmen working for us, Ohio in particular, um, a lot of times we will use our own local uh, resources because we want to keep our own people busy if, if we can. Um, solar is very local, so um, solar is something you can't really outsource. And um, if you build a project... Um, it, it puts a huge investment into that local community, not just during the construction phase, but also during that life of the project. Um, so these solar projects will sit out there for 25 plus years and there's recurring maintenance that goes on and that, that brings good economic activity to that local area. So that's very important. But when we look at projects that are outside of our footprint, um, we know we can't always travel efficiently with resources, so what we like to do is partner with, you know, qualified subcontractors that already have that skilled workforce um, in their local area. They know them. Um, they also have the local connections, so we, we try to partner with, you know, local subcontractors for that, but that said, what we also like to do is implement our our processes to ensure that 
these projects are built timely. They're built to the quality that we expect. Um, we have a very stringent QAQC program that, you know, where we'll send out, you know, either a lead superintendent or a foreman to make sure that the array is being built to our standards. And, you know, a lot of times we'll work with people that have never built these um, type of projects before. So we'll educate, you know, their tradesmen to, um, you know, perform the work in a way that's both efficient and it has the quality that we expect because these things last a very long period of time. Mm -hmm. I've, I've taken a look at a lot of Gem Energy projects and I see that you guys use thin fill modules a lot and maybe that's because of your close proximity to First Solar's uh, Perrysburg, Ohio manufacturing plant. So you guys sticking with thin film? Do you ever use crystalline modules? What's kind of your preference? Sure. As far as the technology goes, we're technology agnostic. Um, we try to select the technology that best fits the application. Um, that said, um, we actually built the first solar production uh, facility in our core business of construction. So our relationships go back with first solar for a long period of time. Um, so with that natural relationship, we have done a lot of our projects. I would say probably 50% of our projects have been with for solar thin film, and then the other 50 have been with other higher quality um, crystalline modules. But um, technology is pretty important to us because you know we're not building these projects and leaving like a lot of solar companies out that are out there. This kind of goes back to our whole DNA. We're we're coming in and we're representing the customer. We want to be that trusted advisor, so we want to select components that are going to withstand the test of time. And so when we do that, we make a pretty deep dive into um, individual companies um, to make sure that they're up to the quality that we would expect. When, and what we're looking for when we select that technology is really diversified companies. You know, we want companies that have very strong uh, balance sheets. They've, they've uh, remained in good financial health. Um, as far as the panel itself, we're looking for things like, um, you know, how much capacity does their production line have? You know, so when we have a project um, that comes about, we want to be able to get the products um, on site when we need it. We don't want them to be delayed, so um, production capacity is very important. And we go a couple more layers deep than that. Um, we'll look at what's the historical warranty claims on that product. Um, has that panel been... Uh, problematic in the past. Um, and then we'll look at, you know, how much customer support they have. And uh, it's important for us to be able to call somebody on the phone and get support for that product. Um, if, if we call and we can't get a hold of anybody or we're outsourced even to a, another country, that's very problematic for us. And, and then finally, we look at things like how much money are, are they investing in research and development, because that kind of paints the picture for us of what their technology roadmap is going to be in the future. We want to secure products that have very um, good manufacturing processes, um, and they're putting a piece of their profits back into research and development so their product becomes better over the course of time. So that's very important when we select panels. Yeah, it sounds like you guys definitely do your research, and, and after being in the industry for about 10 years now, what is some new solar technology that you've 
kind of just recently started using on customer sites? Yeah, that's the piece. The technology piece is uh, is is pretty interesting. I mean, we continue to see uh, new improvements entering into the space. Um, some of the things that we have our eye on is um, just our business model in the past has been looking more at central inverters, and we'll design a one to five megawatt field and we'll put a central inverter in there. And we've kind of made a a design shift in the last 12 months on that thinking process. And now we're looking at more uh, string inverters where we don't have, you know, one unit out in the field. We have, you know, 15 smaller inverters. And that, that allows us to do a couple different things. Um, the system then becomes a little bit more redundant. Um, we can design different shapes and we can design around different um, I guess real world situations where you know you don't have a perfect postage square stamp site most of the time you usually have um, site constraints that um, string inverters allow you to kind of design around um, oblong type uh, geometries and things like that so that that's an improvement that we've made in our designs some of the other things that we're looking at is uh, 15 volt DC systems um, we were one of the first in the country a couple years ago to install 1,000-volt DC. Um, a lot of this technology starts in Europe, and then it migrates over to the United States. Um, and the reason for that is because it takes our codes a little while to catch up, typically. And we were always pushing the boundary, um, starting off at 600-volt, trying to push it to 1,000. Now we're at 1,500 installing these systems, most of them at 1,500. And you know, future states going to be 2,000 and beyond. And the reason we're pushing them to higher voltages is because they're more efficient and they're more cost-effective. So we can we can do that today. That's very exciting. Um, we're installing single-axis trackers here in Ohio now today versus a couple years ago. Those weren't feasible. Um, the price points on single-axis trackers have come down to um, very comparable to fixed uh, racking right now, so we're we're building a second phase of Ohio Northern's uh, solar array in Ada, Ohio, and we're using single-axis trackers on that. Two, three years ago, that wouldn't have been cost-effective to do. So that's a definite bright spot in the solar industry. And then the final thing that we're doing internally at Gem Energy is we're looking at solar plus storage. Um, we we understand that solar is not the one-size-fits-all technology for really any business or you know any utility. So coupling technologies together, we're seeing um, it complements one another. So um, storage has always kind of been viewed as solar's holy grail, and the economics on storage now, given the right fit. Um, it's starting to make sense. So we're starting to get projects that are starting to pencil. They're starting to look very uh, beneficial to both us and the customer. And, you know, we think that technology has come around. Um, a, lot of, a lot of things like what Tesla's doing um, with their battery plants, um, that's pushing the price points down, um, and it's becoming feasible now to do. So that's encouraging. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of moving from just a buzzword to being more practical in the area, and that's great. Um, 
If there was one thing you could change in Ohio to boost solar installations, what would it be? I would say if there's one thing that I had my magic wand to wave and it changed, it would be to make a stable energy policy in Ohio. Ohio has not had the luxury that other states have had with um, stable energy policy. It's kind of flip-flopped several times in the past five years or so. And that's very problematic just to be able to plan um, a business around. I mean, a lot of our projects have a huge incubation period of as much as one, maybe even two years from uh, start of concept to actually start of construction. The sales cycles are very long, so it's very problematic when policy changes midstream and change of law comes into play and that's very problematic one to be able to go out and attract investors to even have the desire to invest in a project and then two just to make sure that you know you're following that rule book that's constantly changing and then you have to adapt it once that rule book changes so i'd say if there's one thing i could change it would be that the policymakers come together and they listen to the stakeholders and they they implement stable policies such as some other states um, have done a really good job, like New York and Massachusetts and New Jersey are some examples of some stable energy policy states. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So finally, what's GEM Energy's plan for the next few years? What do you guys want to accomplish? Um, GEM Energy, I would say, speaking myself included, I mean, I, I would say it's just keep changing, really. I mean, you know, our, my view is if a business doesn't consistently and constantly change, it's going to die. Um, you know, I've been in the solar space now for 10 years, and um, it's just changed at such rapid pace. And, you know, for a business to stay strong and healthy and keep growing, um, we have to find better and different ways to do things. Um, so that's probably defined as, you know, staying up on the cutting-edge technologies, Um you know, installing these systems better. I mean, a lot of our installation we do um, automated, so um, coming up with better ways to to build that mousetrap is really important for us. And and then some of the other things that I've already talked about, like, you know, coupling storage and uh, photovoltaics together is uh, going to be important, and that's that's coming down the pike. And really just grow smartly. We don't want to get ahead of our skis. We don't want to grow the business too fast. We want to keep providing value for our customers. And um, it's really nice since our business is so diversified, we're able to not force feed a customer a certain solution. We're, We're delivering a solution that is best for a customer. So as long as we can continue to provide value for a customer, it may not always be solar, it may be CHP, it may be storage, it may be a combination of all, but just really continuing to provide better value to our customers because that builds that relationship and that keeps us healthy and that keeps the customer's businesses healthy. Well, thank you, Jason, for talking with me today. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as editor Kelly Pickerel chats with solar installers across the country. 
Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World Podcast. Visit us online to hear more great podcasts, view industry videos, and read our great editorial content. SolarPowerWorldOnline.com See you back here next month.